guys, what's up? It's Raven. Fun fact. The average person can hold their breath underwater for about 30 to 90 seconds, but the world record for the longest amount of time that somebody has held their breath underwater is 24 minutes. But on another note, today I am going to be giving you guys advice. This is going to be the first iteration of Ask Raven, my advice column, if you will. I'm very nervous because I feel very unqualified. I don't even know why I'm doing this because I don't feel like I'm that good at giving advice. And I feel like, honestly, I don't know what I'm talking about. And, you know, I'm not a professional and I don't know why you guys would want my advice, but I just thought this might be something fun to try. We are going to try it. We are going to see how it goes. Hopefully I give some decent advice, but y'all know, y'all should already know to take everything I'm about to say with a grain of salt, because I don't know what the heck I'm talking about. And that's just that. But I asked you guys on Instagram to submit your scenarios, your problems, your dilemmas, your situations, just anything that you might be dealing with right now that you, for whatever reason, want my personal advice on. And we're just going to see. This is an experiment, okay? This might go horribly wrong and y'all might be like, you know what? Don't ever give no advice ever again. And that's fine. I'm prepared for that criticism. But I just wanted to kind of just, just see. Maybe I do know a thing or two about a thing or two. You know, I have seen a few things. I'm only 29. I'm turning 30 this year, but I have seen a few things in my life. And maybe there's some things that I've been through that I can kind of like shed some light on from experience. Who knows? But I asked you guys to submit your stuff on Instagram. So I went through and chose a few that I thought I could maybe possibly give some good advice on. I'm not going to lie. Some of the stuff that y'all submitted, I was like, girl, I don't know. I I wouldn't even know where to begin to tell you how to deal with this problem. (laughs) Like not trying to laugh at y'all's pain, but I was reading some of the paragraphs like, damn. And then what happened? Damn. And then, oh, damn. And I, so I didn't choose those. I chose the ones that I thought (laughs) I could actually like, you know, say something helpful. So let's just jump right in, shall we? This is going to be completely anonymous. Of course, I'm not going to put y'all's business out there by name. Um, So... Yeah, let's just let's just read the first one that I have saved. It says, my man, in quotation marks, if you will, does not live in the same state as me. And it's been pretty hard at times. I know you've done long distance before. What signs, effort, things do you need to stay in the relationship? So fun fact about me, pretty much every relationship that I've ever been in has been long distance at least medium to long distance. And what I mean by that is, for example, I live in Austin and they might be in Houston or Dallas, something like that. So at least like a three hour drive type situation, but I've also been in a situation where they were completely out of state. So I do have experience with being in long distance relationships. And for me, I personally don't feel like I struggled with it as much as the next person because I am genuinely introverted. I am genuinely somebody who likes to be alone in a lot of ways most of the time, even when it comes to relationships. I know that like for a lot of people, you might be an introvert, but when it comes to your person, your partner, you still want that one person around all the time. I'm not like that. I don't even want that person around all the time. If I'm being honest, I like my solitude. I like the separation. I like having the distance. So, I mean, it wasn't as big of a struggle for me, but what does become a struggle, I think, is how it puts stress on the relationship and it can kind of add tension and add this feeling of like, basically what she mentioned about like, you have to put in extra effort to keep the relationship strong. And when it's long distance, it's easier to notice the other person not putting in effort, if that makes sense. If this is just someone who lives down the street and y'all see each other and that's just part of your daily routine, it doesn't really take much for them to see you and spend time with you and do things with you because that's just what they was going to do anyway because they're right there. You know, that is what it is. But when it's long distance, they really have to go out of their way to stay in contact with you, to keep updated with you, to come and travel to see you. It takes a lot more effort. So when they're not doing it, you notice it and you're like, now what's going on here? Do you not care enough to make that effort? And that is definitely something that I experienced before. 
just noticing that the other person is just not like, hello, where are you? Like, what's going on? And even feeling like, you know, I have to ask or I have to be the one to. And so I think the only way it's going to work is if y'all are both putting in that equal effort. Y'all both have to understand, yeah, this does take more work than if you lived in the same place. It is what it is. It's going to take more work. Do you want to do the work? Do you want to spend the time? Do you want to spend the money? It might cost something to travel, to buy a plane ticket or that gas money or whatever it may be. You might have to sacrifice time because let's say you only have time to travel to see each other on the weekend. Well, are you going to spend that weekend with your friends, your homeboys? Or are you going to spend that time to go see your girlfriend? It becomes a sacrifice. It becomes something that really takes, really takes that extra effort. And if you're noticing that the other person is just not doing those things, that's a huge red flag. I know from experience, <laughs> that is a huge red flag because that is literally the least they could do. Now, of course, there are exceptions to every rule. There are sometimes really valid reasons as to why they may not be able to communicate as often, check in with you as often, come see you as often. There's a lot of things that can hold people back from being able to travel. You know, maybe it's their work situation. Maybe they don't have the money. They don't have it in their budget. There's a lot of valid reasons that might hold them back. But you know, you know your person. You know what their situation is. You know what is reasonable for them and what is not. So based on what you know is reasonable, you set your expectations based on that. If they are not meeting your expectations, that's a conversation that needs to be had, a direct conversation. I would like for you to X, Y, Z. You are not doing X, Y, Z, and I need you to do X, Y, Z. Very direct, very plain and simple. Not reading between the lines, not hinting, not nudging, not, oh, you should already know. You should be able to tell by the way I'm acting. You should, I shouldn't have, no. Direct conversation to set the expectations. If they argue against that, there's your answer. If they agree to it, but they still don't actually do it, that's also your answer. So that's how I would go about it. Next question. This girl is 23 years old. She says, I have two kids. My question is, I've been thinking about letting my sons live with their father just until I can fully get on my feet. I feel like I would be judged because most women just keep the kids 24-7 and just figure life out. But with two sons, I feel they deserve a more stable situation. Me and their father were together, but I'm thinking about leaving and just letting him have the place and everything. I truly need to be on my own to figure myself out. Should I just take the kids with me or should I have faith that I should do this on my own and get my own place and things and then get my sons? I hope to do this within this year. So basically the story is that she didn't give obviously her whole, her whole backstory, but she's clearly struggling in some sort of way. She feels like she needs time to herself to get herself together, to get on her feet in order to then show up better for her two sons. So she's thinking about letting her sons just stay with their dad while she goes off by herself and get herself together. Here's my thing. I feel like she's comparing two extremes. She's comparing the extreme of she takes the kids by herself and struggles through it while also trying to get herself together or the extreme of the kids completely live with their dad and she completely goes off by herself. I feel like there should be a middle ground solution there maybe where it's sort of a half and half thing, a split custody thing, a co-parenting thing. I understand not feeling ready, capable, all those things, you know, available, mentally stable, whatever it is, because you never know what all sort of issues she's dealing with. I understand that you just may not be equipped to have your kids full time right now. But can you have them part time? Can you co-parent? Is there a happy medium that you can come to a conclusion, come to a solution with their dad where it could be half on, half off situation. And he can kind of help support by having certain days of the week where he fully has them. So then you have that time to do what you need to do. But then there's certain days of the week where you still have them and you still see them. I feel like there could be a solution there where it's more half and half. So it's not one extreme of sort of completely one or the other. Um, hopefully that makes sense. And hopefully that wasn't already like considered if that's, I don't know, sorry, if that's like 
already out the window. But that's the first thing that I think of when I hear this situation. Okay, next one is there is a guy that I like that's literally perfect on paper. I'm Nigerian and we're from the same village. He's tall, handsome, and he likes health and fitness like me. But he's a former bad boy who claims he's ready to change but hasn't shown me anything yet. I have seen traces of his bad boy ways. Flaky, kind of goes for anything with two legs, always asking what I got him from the store. I just want him to be the king I need him to be, but he needs a lot of teaching. Is it worth the effort and the headache? All my friends say it's not, but I have tried keeping him at bay and he's begged for me back four times now. It's always an apology from him and never just stepping up from the start. And then she added, he's educated and he's inheriting his family business. So it sounds like he has some pros and cons. There's things that you like about him. You like that he's Nigerian. You like that he's from the same village. You like that y'all share common interests. He's tall. He's handsome. He's educated. He's inheriting his family business. All good things like that you said sound good on paper, but it sounds like you know good and well that who he is as a person behind all of those superficial surface level things, how he looks and his, you know what I mean? Like all those, those are superficial things. Let's be real. Those are things that are okay to ask for. Those are okay to want those things in somebody, but that's not all you're looking for in a partner. You're not just worried about what village he's from and what kind of family business he's going to inherit. You care about who he is as a person. And the way you described him... (laughs) What you said about who he is as a person behind all of those surface level things was nothing but negativity. (laughs) So my question is, if you strip away all the superficial things, what do you like about him? It don't sound like you like him. You know what I mean? So to me, this is giving, this is giving, no, not worth it. This is giving you fell in love with the idea. You like the idea of what kind of person he is on the outside, but he truly does not meet your standard on the inside. And we all know that it's what it's what's on the inside that counts because all that outside stuff could easily him being handsome and him, the family business, all that stuff could go away in a second. He could get in a car accident. His face is destroyed. His family business could fail. All that stuff that you mentioned could go away. What about who he is on the inside? That's the most important thing. And I know it sounds so cliche, but it's true. So you got to ask yourself, does he meet any of the real main criteria that you're looking for outside of the superficial? And it don't sound like he do. And do you really want to sit there and try to build a man? This is not build a man workshop. This is not teach a man workshop. This is not, I have to baby you and hold your hand step by step on how to be a decent person. That's what you want to do. That's the kind of relationship you want to be in where you're having to guide him step by step on how to just be a decent person because he's a fuck boy at the end of the day. I don't think that's what you want to do. Mm-mm. It's, it's, it's looking like a no for me. Sorry, girl. Next question. Did Zaya have a defiant, talk back, whiny, crying stage as a toddler around ages one through three? If so, how did you overcome it? She seems to be a very well-behaved and well-mannered child. Not that having emotions and opinions is bad because yes, they're human, but just trying to find a way to rein it in a bit with my little. So she's basically referring to like the, the terrible twos and the terrible threes. And I most definitely went through that with Zaya. Hers was more so age three, like three was worse than two leading into four. Um, definitely an issue with like temper tantrums and stuff like that, which to a certain extent, toddlers are going to tantrum. Toddlers are going to tantrum. They are toddlers. All they know how to do is tantrum. And I heard recently where it's like, it's actually very important for their development to be defiant and understand the concept of saying no, of them being able to say no, understand the concept of self and like bodily autonomy and all those things. Like they're just learning that that's even a thing. So they need to be able to do that. They need to be able to practice that. Of course, for us, it's annoying when you ask them to do something and they're like, no, (laughs) and they throw a tantrum. But for them, it's like they need that for their development. Um, so just reminding yourself that it's normal. They're growing and learning. It's just a phase. You know what I mean? It will probably pass sooner rather than later. Um, for me, I did have some moments where it got more extreme and it got to a point where I felt a little bit, um, 
out of control in the sense of like not being able to control her and kind of being worried about her safety. Like she was physically like throwing herself around when she's having a tantrum and she would sometimes do that in public. And it was really scary for me as a single mom to be by myself with my toddler out in public Something happens, she doesn't get her way, she starts throwing a tantrum, and she starts throwing a tantrum, like a physical tantrum, where she's just like throwing herself out of the basket and throwing down on the floor and doing this and that. That's really scary and like uncomfortable is not even the word. It's just very, I don't even know what the word is, but as a single mom by yourself in public and your toddler is doing that and you feel like you cannot control them and nothing you say or do is stopping them, yes that's where it kind of becomes a problem because you can't really just let them get it out of their system when you're in public like that. Um, And for me, I really struggled with it for a long time because it felt like nothing I did had any, like she didn't care. Like when she's in that emotional state, it was almost like she couldn't hear me. She couldn't see me. Nothing would stop her. Um, Over time, I learned that for Zaya specifically, and every kid is different, But I had to learn what she actually cared about and use those things as consequences, you know, taking away certain privileges that she actually cared about. So you got to tap into your kid. You got to know your kid. What do they actually care to lose? You know what I mean? Because certain things that is like, okay, take it. I don't care. But certain things, and it might be something kind of weird and small, but you know your kid. What do they care to lose? Use that as leverage. You know what I mean? Use that as a consequence. You will get this privilege taken away if you don't X, Y, Z. That's been like one of the main things that has helped me to kind of like snap, you know, kind of like snap them out of it and be like, hey, but what about this? You don't want to, you know? So maybe that could help. But the main thing is this too shall pass. This too shall pass. It is a phase. Next one. So I've known my boyfriend for about three years. We will make two years officially in June. We're two different types of people. I'm more of a homebody. He likes to go out a lot. I'm super laid back. He isn't. We sometimes get into debates about how different we are and being total opposites. Have you ever dealt with anything like this with someone you dated or talked to? If so, how did you guys work on it? My first thing is this. People say opposites attract. It's nothing wrong with being different than your partner. You know, I think that's pretty normal. You're not going to be with someone who's exactly like you. Most people probably don't want to be with someone who's exactly like them. And it's good to have differences. Um, But it depends on what kind of differences. If it's something that you guys constantly argue and debate about, and it's almost to where you're trying to change the other person, you're trying to persuade the other person to come to your side and do things your way. If that is a constant problem that is constantly coming up and it's like actually a conflict, it's not like friendly debate discussion. Oh, isn't it so interesting how we're different from each other? But it's more like, no, you're different and you're wrong and you need to be more like me. That's a problem. The debate part of it is what's the problem to me. Being different and recognizing your differences and loving that and celebrating that, cool, that's a healthy relationship. But if you're not celebrating it and instead you are arguing about it, that's toxic. (laughs) And that does not sound enjoyable. Me personally, I would not enjoy being in a relationship with someone who is so opposite of me And it causes conflict. So I think it honestly comes down to reevaluating your compatibility. Are you actually compatible? Is this relationship enjoyable? Is it going to continue to be able to be enjoyable over time with such huge differences? Are there differences that you guys have that are currently causing problems that you are willing to change? to meet the other person or maybe meet the other person halfway and maybe negotiate and compromise. Are there things you can compromise on and change? Are you guys both super dead set on everything and not willing to change? Cause that's when it's really toxic. But I think it's just about reevaluating. You know what I mean? Be real with yourself about y'all's actual compatibility and go from there. Okay. Um, this one is kind of a long one. So y'all just bear with me as I read through it. So I've been with my boyfriend almost three years now. We met years ago through a dating app, tried dating a couple different times. For one reason or another, I always ended it. I later had my daughter. After breaking up with my baby daddy, I reconnected with him, him being the first guy. 
There has always been a part of me that has felt that he is the one for me and I am meant to spend the rest of my life with him. I love him and he loves me and my daughter very much. Unfortunately, within a few months of dating, I realized he has a drinking problem. I never realized how serious it was and it just kept getting worse. Drunk alone on the subway, car accidents, out of a job, lost apartment, lost friends, rehab multiple times, etc. I keep having hope and waiting and hoping that things will get better. Unfortunately, it really hasn't. I've tried ultimatums and that hasn't worked. I love him so much, but I hate the situation he's in right now. And I can't continue to expose my four-year-old daughter to this. I honestly saw a great future with him in the beginning, but now I don't know what I see. I told him I wanted a break. Everyone tells me to dump him. A part of me wants to and another part of me can't. I care about him and love him too much and it breaks my heart to leave him. Right now, he's on a path to getting sober again, but I honestly don't think it'll last long because it happens every time. I don't know what to do. I found myself checking out other guys and thinking about them. I feel guilty even saying it, but my life is in shambles and I need advice. What should I do? So she has a child from another relationship, but she's currently with someone who has a drinking problem. First thing that comes to my mind is the child. I have had experience and I know people who have had experience with people who struggle with alcoholism. It can be a really, really scary and dangerous thing. It's obviously dangerous for the person who is struggling, but it can be dangerous for everyone around you. And it can cause a whole domino effect of issues for the people around you. That child, your daughter doesn't deserve that. As hard as it is, that would be my first priority and that would be the first thing I think about. Like you said, you said it in your message. You don't want to keep exposing your four-year-old daughter to this. And I agree with that. And that would be my deciding factor. If this is a problem that is not getting any better, he's not able to stay sober, he's doing things like getting in car accidents and all these things, That is not up to par for what I believe should be around your daughter. That is not up to par for who should be kind of your daughter's father figure and who should be the other adult in the house and all that stuff that she could possibly, that she might already be exposed to or things that could continue happening in the future. It's really dangerous. It's really damaging. um, And I just wouldn't even want to risk I just wouldn't want to risk it for my daughter. I think that's where your responsibility lies. As a mother, that's your first priority. That's your first responsibility. Unfortunately, in a case like this, your romantic feelings, I think, come second to your daughter's safety. So that's where my advice stems from. I would do what is necessary for your daughter's safety. That might mean that this is not somebody that you can be with romantically. Y'all don't live together. Y'all don't see each other. Y'all don't do anything that is going to involve your daughter. But maybe you can still be there for him as a friend, as part of his support system, but just in a way that is separated from your daily life, your daily routine and being around your daughter. Um, cause I understand that's the hard part too, is somebody who's struggling with, um, an alcohol addiction, they do need a support system and you sound like you are a big part of that. Um, and I think there might still be a way to still do that without putting your daughter in the middle of it. But I do think that that is your first responsibility and it comes first before, like I said, your romantic feelings and things like that. The next one is... I work a corporate job doing marketing in the insurance industry, but I've been itching to take a chance on my passion of interior design and start my own business. How did you have the balls and confidence to become a full-time entrepreneur? Imposter syndrome and lack of confidence gets the best of me. Um, So I never had a big girl job. Fun fact. I did have jobs as far as like I worked in the mall, I worked at Wet Seal as a sales associate, I worked at Dillard's. I had those, you know, those types of jobs, but I never had a big girl job as far as like a real career, working in corporate, working anything like that because I had those retail jobs like throughout college and then by the time I graduated college, I was already doing social media full time. So I have not had that experience of switching from a quote unquote regular job or a nine to five or a corporate job and then switching into entrepreneurship, I kind of just 
went straight into entrepreneurship out of school, um, which still in and of itself took balls, like she said, took confidence to be able to say, actually, you know what? I'm not even going to try and look for a regular job now that I'm done with college. I'm actually just going to be an entrepreneur. I'm actually just going to be a YouTuber. And this was during a time when being a YouTuber was not what it is today. So it was even more risky back then, a lot more risky and a lot more unheard of and a lot more like, what the heck are you doing? So it definitely was like something that I had to really believe in myself. You know what I mean? But the reason why I was able to believe in myself and the reason why I was able to have that confidence and not let imposter syndrome get the best of me is because I had a foolproof or as foolproof as it could be business plan, business plan, business plan, business plan, write it down, do the calculations, put it on paper, treat this as a math equation. This is not an abstract idea. This is something that you can actually plan out step by step. You can put the numbers behind it. You can do the math and you can figure it out and you can make a real step-by-step plan. It doesn't have to be some mystery that you're stepping into the unknown. You can map it out. And that is my biggest piece of advice, no matter what type of business you're, you know, what field you're going into. You said interior design. What's your plan? What's your business model? How do you plan on making money? How much money do you plan on making? Crunch the numbers, write it down and break it down into daily, weekly, monthly pieces so that you have something to stick to. Now, you're going to have to work on that while you are still working your corporate job because you can't just you probably I mean, unless you have a lot of savings as a cushion to be able to have this time off from work, but most likely You need to continue working your corporate job while you work on your business plan and tighten up that business plan. And like I said, break it down into pieces that make sense, that are doable, that have real numbers and real goals behind them. And then it's going to probably be a slow transition late nights after work, working on your side hustle until the side hustle builds up enough momentum to become a full-time hustle. That's, I feel like, probably the most common way that entrepreneurs switch from nine to five to entrepreneurship is it takes a lot of determination because most people have to put in those extra hours after they are already working a full-time job. And that's sort of kind of what I had to do in a sense with my YouTube channel being that I was a full-time college student and I was working retail and stuff like that. So I had my normal day-to-day life responsibilities and then I had to stay up all night editing YouTube videos or whatever the case may be. Because I, there was a time when I was definitely doing both all at the same time in order to achieve everything. And then after I graduated, okay, I, I, I've already worked on this. I've already built up some momentum. So now I can completely make the switch, but I don't think it's realistic to say, oh, I'm going to quit my job. And then just like that, I'm going to be a successful entrepreneur. How, how's that going to happen? You don't just switch from one to the other. There's like that work that needs to be done in between. And I think that's where most people struggle because it's hard to balance doing both during that in-between moment, but it's doable. You know, you have 24 hours in a day. Technically you do need to sleep and shower and eat. And if you have kids and if you have anything else that you're responsible for, it just makes it harder and harder, but it's doable. It's going to be some all nighters. It's going to be some sleepy mornings. It's going to be some uh, multitasking at work, you know, working on your own stuff. On I don't know. It's, you're going to have to get creative with how you spend your time so that you can really build that momentum up. And the first thing is your business plan. Business plan, business plan. Figure out the numbers. Do your research. Figure out exactly what you will have to do to be successful. Write it down. Make a plan. Do not just jump into something willy-nilly. That is probably the worst thing you could do is quit your job and then just jump into something with no plan, no hours put behind it yet, no nothing, just starting from scratch. Please do not quit your job and then start from scratch. (laughs) I think that's the worst thing you could do. Not to say that it's not possible because I already know somebody's probably going to comment and be like, well, I quit my job and I started from scratch and now I'm a millionaire. I mean, I'm sure it's been done, but I wouldn't recommend it. I would put in as many hours as you can right now while you still have a job to use that as your safety net. You know, keep your current job as a safety net and do as much as you can with your new idea while you still have that safety net. Okay, next one. 
Am I wrong for not inviting my best friend's boyfriend to my wedding? I'm getting married next year and I'm having a small wedding. I asked my best friend to be in my bridal party and originally planned to give her a plus one so she could bring her boyfriend. I haven't sent out invitations or saved the dates yet. So she made an assumption, a fair assumption, but still an assumption that he'd be able to come. Because of the financial expenses of having a wedding, I had to make some cuts from my original guest list. I only had two plus ones on my guest list to begin with, and I took them both off. Literally everyone else on my guest list is family besides my bridal party, so I couldn't cut anyone from my family in order to let her bring her boyfriend. And I don't really consider her boyfriend to be a close friend. I wouldn't even consider inviting him to my wedding if he wasn't her boyfriend. So he's truly a plus one. Am I wrong? No, you are not wrong. And I have strong opinions about this. I have developed stronger opinions about this over the years as I've um, kind of expanded my friend group and expanded my social life in general. And people around me are starting to get married and have big 30th birthday parties and things like that. And I'm having my own parties. You do not have to invite anybody that you don't want to invite. If it's your thing, it's your birthday, your wedding, you're this, you're that. And especially you're the one paying for it. Girl, fuck them. (laughs) Like they don't have a say so. And they also don't have any room to be offended. Especially in this case where it's like a friend's boyfriend that you're not even really close with and it's a small wedding and it's just family and he feels like he should be. Why does he feel like he should be there? Is he really, is he really that near and dear? Are, are you really that near and dear to him to where he feels like, oh, I just can't miss your wedding? No, I doubt it. Don't sound like y'all that close to where he should really be mad. It sounds like your best friend is mad because she wanted to have that time with her boyfriend. She wanted to have that good old time with her boyfriend there. She wanted to be able to bring him. I'm sure the boyfriend probably don't really care because y'all are not close like that. So he's probably like, okay. But your friend wanted to be able to bring him as her date. Okay, I get that it would be nice to be able to have him there, but you have to be understanding of your friend's budget. It comes down to budget. Do you know how expensive weddings are? No. You gonna pay? You gonna pay? You gonna pay the extra fee that it's gonna cost to have him here, friend? You wanna have your boyfriend here so bad? You pay for it. That's your boyfriend. He is not nothing to me. Like, no. That's... <laughs> that's that's my thoughts on it and I feel that way about just parties and anything like this in general people should not feel obligated to be invited no one should feel obligated to be invited anywhere the audacity to say well why can't I come I hate that. I really have developed a big pet peeve towards that because it's like everyone has their reasons. There's financial restrictions. This is my thing. I hand selected who I wanted to be here. I only can afford this much. Like you have to respect that. Nobody should have to go out of their way to make you feel some type of way on their special day. Is, are you the one getting married? Is it your birthday? Is it your thing? No, then shut up. Stop being a whiny baby. Like, we're all adults here. Shut up. (laughs) So, long story short, no, you are not wrong. You are not wrong at all. And anybody who says you're wrong for that, they're trifling. Next one. There's this guy that I think I like. He's part of the friend group I'm in. However, I look nothing like his ex. And I don't know if I'm actually his type. I'm on the fence about pursuing him because of that fact and also the fact that he's in our friend group and also the fact that I've never been in a relationship, but I take dating very seriously. I'm dating to marry, but I'm not sure if that's something he's looking for. Do you think I should pursue him or just remain friends? So this is tricky because I understand you don't want to like make it awkward in the friend group because if you try something and it goes wrong and now that's awkward and now y'all are all in the same friend group and it's awkward. And then you're like, I don't know if I'm his type. I don't know. You got to test the waters. You got to do some sneaky little hint, hint, test things to see how he reacts and see if there's anything there. I think if y'all are in the same friend group, y'all are probably hanging out. You could slide some stuff in the conversation to get some information out of him about like what he likes and like what he's into and what he's like spark up a conversation amongst the whole group. That has to do with like dating and relationships and what's your type and act like you're just talking to everyone, but really you're trying to get some information from him. You know what I mean? 
That's what I would do. Because I want to see, like, where's your head at when it comes to dating in general? So you got to, like, make it just like a general conversation. You know, it's not because I'm trying to know, you know, it's not for no special reason or nothing, but I just want to know where your head's at with that. And then also you can do the classic, like, what happens if I sit a little closer to him next time we hang out? Nothing obvious, nothing crazy, and nothing obvious. But simple things with body language can tell you a lot. So I would try testing the waters with those things through communication and through body language and see how he responds. You'll know. You'll know. Because either you're going to instantly get like a positive reaction and you're going to be like, okay, I think there's possibility there. Or you're going to get a negative response or you're going to get a confusing response. And I feel like if you're confused and you continue to be confused, then the answer is no. Next one. My boyfriend and I have been together for nine years. We have two kids together, a three-year-old and an eight-year-old. I feel like I've lost the physical attraction. Also, there are some things that he's not willing to change that bothers me. I've been thinking about leaving him, but my daughter keeps telling us that she wants us to get married. So I feel like if I do leave him, it's going to affect my daughter. So now I feel like I'm stuck. Two things on this. First thing, you said that there's some things that he's not willing to change that really bother you. Have you communicated those things extremely clearly to him? Like as direct as possible, these are the things that I need you to change in order for me to be happy in this relationship. Have you done your due diligence in properly communicating and giving him a chance because he can't read your mind. That's the first thing. Second thing, if it's like already past that, already to the point where you know you pretty much, you're just done and you're ready to leave, but the only thing you're really worried about is your daughter and you don't want to break up your family because of your daughter, listen, I know people have strong opinions about this. I have strong opinions about it too. <clears throat> My opinions are a little bit more non-traditional. If y'all know anything about me, you know that I have a lot of non-traditional views when it comes to marriage and all those things. I don't believe that you should just be married just to be married, just because you're supposed to be married, just because the family is supposed to be a family unit and you're supposed to and you're supposed to and you're supposed to. You're supposed to be happy. You're supposed to give your kids a happy, healthy life. That's the only thing you're supposed to do. And that does not have to be through marriage. And that does not have to be through you staying with your kid's dad. You need to do what's going to make things as healthy and as positive for you and therefore your kids. If you trap yourself into an unhappy marriage, do you think that you will be giving your kids the life they deserve? Will you be at your best to be able to give your kids the life they deserve? If you trap yourself in this marriage that you don't really want to be in, but you just did it because they wanted you to get married and you feel like you're supposed to. Is that fair to your children to put yourself in that position to where now you're not your best self, you're not happy. And now what kind of mother are you probably going to be to them? That's how I think about things. I don't care about marriage. I don't care about, you know, oh, you have to stay with him because that's your kid's dad. No, you don't. No, you don't. No, you don't. No, you don't. <laughs> there are a lot of non-traditional ways to do things that your your daughter is eight years old, I think. She's eight. Hate to break it to you, but she don't know what she's talking about. <laughs> she says she wants you to get married. She don't know what she's talking about. I wouldn't really listen to her, you know? I get where you're coming from. I get the emotional piece behind it. I get the fact that kids want to see their parents together. They want to see mommy and daddy together. That's all they know. That's all they, you know, can, can think of as a happy life. But they're kids. They don't know all the different ways that families can come together. They don't know all the different possibilities. She doesn't understand that maybe one day she can have a loving stepdad and still have a relationship with her biological father and still, you know, your co-parent, this eight-year-old, your eight-year-old daughter doesn't know that there are a lot of different ways that she could have a happy family. But you know that. So you have to make the decision that's right for you in order to give your kids a truly happy life. Okay, next question. Hey Raven, I love your channel and vlogs. Thank you. I wanted to get your advice on my situation. So my boyfriend and I have been together now for three years and I noticed more at the beginning that he was more willing to hang out with my friends, but now not at all. 
He wants to keep our friend group separate. I have not met his friends yet. Is this weird? I brought it up to him several times and he told me that he wanted to protect me from his friends. I don't know if this is something I should just let go or is it a red flag? Girl, that is a big gentleman's red flag. Y'all been together for three years and you have not met his friends yet because he needs to protect you from his friends. Y'all been together for three years and you have not so much as met a single one of his friends yet because he needs to protect you from his friends. So what kind of friends does he have? Have you heard the phrase birds of a feather flock together? <laughs> because what? That just, I don't know. That sends off all types of alarms in my head, all types of red flags in my head. And from my personal experience where I've sort of been in a similar situation where I felt like the person I was with was like wanting to keep everything separate and kind of keep partially keeping me out of their life and their sides of things. Like I don't meet their friends. I don't meet their family. I don't go into their, like just keeping everything very, like when we're together, we're together and we have our own world together as a couple, but it's kind of like, you're not letting me into your world as an individual. And I think that's a huge red flag because number one, Sometimes I feel like, and in my experience, it turned out to be true, people do that because they're hiding things, because they have stuff going on in their friend group or in their hometown or whatever it is that they're keeping you from. They're keeping you from it for a reason. He says to protect you, but he could also be like hiding stuff. Like what is over there that you don't want me to see? That's not okay. That is not okay. And yes, it is weird to not intermix your friend circles or hang out with each other's friends. I, I love my friends, me personally. I love my friends. I think they're great people. If I was dating someone, I would want them to meet my friends because they're fun and we're all going to have fun and I want everybody to be connected and to know each other and we would all have a great time together, right? Like, why wouldn't I let the person I'm dating meet my friends? Those are my friends, you know? And I would also really love to meet my boyfriend's friends. Like, who do you hang around? Because that says a lot about you. It says a lot about you. Your friends, your circle, who you hang around. I mean, yeah. So the whole thing about I need to protect you from them, mm -mm, I don't like that. I don't like that because what they got, what, what kind of people are they, what they got going on and why do you hang out with them then? And does that mean that you also, do, you know, I would really highly look into that. I would, yes, that's a red flag. Yes, that's weird. And I would definitely look into that. Okay. Next one. I feel like I'm at a point in life where I've outgrown a lot of my friends career wise and in my personal life, i.e. I'm the only one with a kid. Have you experienced that in your success? How would you recommend expanding my circle to include more relatable people for someone who's introverted and almost 30? Outgrowing friends. Hmm. I've gotten this question before about like, as I've become more successful or become a mom or X, Y, Z, did I lose a lot of friends? Do I feel like I outgrew people? And really not so much. I mean, I've had a couple of like, friends that I, I don't really talk to anymore. We're not really friends anymore, but not people that I was ever originally super close with, if that makes sense. Like, you know, you have your close friends and then you have people who are more so almost more like associates. Like you talk to them every now, you hang out every now and then. And it's pretty common that those relationships kind of easily fade out and just don't last. And I think that's normal. And I don't think that even has anything to do with like my success, but like my real friends, friends, like people that I'm close with, people that you've seen, that y'all have seen me be close with for years, I'm still friends with all of them. Of course, our relationships have shifted and changed a bit, um, but that's mostly due to circumstance. You know, we're all grown now. We've moved away. We've gotten different jobs. We've had kids. We've gotten engaged and gotten married. Like all my friends are doing all types of things. So of course that changes the dynamic of our relationships, but it doesn't make it to where we're not friends anymore. It just makes our friendship, the logistics of our friendship have to maybe be different. And maybe I don't see them as much or I don't talk to them as much, but we're still friends at the end of the day. 
So I haven't really had a lot of experience with just like completely losing friends and I just completely fell out with this person or completely outgrew this person, um, which I'm grateful for. Um, but I can definitely understand how that can happen when you're just on two totally different wavelengths. You know, you feel like you're, you know, growing in your career and things are changing for you and you become a mom. And then the person that you're friends with, they're not experiencing any of those things. So you just can't relate. Um, I feel like it is very important to have people in your circle who you can relate to. You don't have to relate to every friend in every way. It is okay to have friends who you don't relate to. It is okay. Like, for example, me, I have a lot of friends who don't have kids. I have a lot of friends who don't do anything in the social media world. I have a lot of friends who just like, we don't live the same life at all, but we're still friends and we're still cool and we still make it work. And I think that's still okay. But I find a lot of value in having friends who do. You have to have that balance, I think. So I have some friends who do have kids. I have some friends who are in the social media world. And then I have some who don't. And so it's kind of like different friends for different reasons, if that makes sense. Like if I need to talk about work-related stuff, I have certain friends that I can go to about that. If I need to talk about mom life stuff, I have certain friends that I can go to about that. But if there's something random that I want to do or talk about, or I just want to hang out, I have friends who, again, we don't live the same lifestyle, but we still laugh and giggle and have a good time. And they still love me and I still love them. And it's actually refreshing sometimes to have a new perspective and something else to talk about. Like when I get tired of talking about social media, when I get tired of talking about the mom stuff, it's nice to have those friends who live a totally different life so I can get a break from all the stuff that I deal with every day and have that kind of refreshing experience of being with that friend who is different than me. So I guess... My advice is twofold. Number one, don't be so quick to feel like you're outgrowing people or feel like you don't relate to people. So therefore you shouldn't be friends with them anymore. Like, again, sometimes you need those people who are different than you. Sometimes it's okay to have friends who are different than you. And sometimes it's actually very nice and helpful to have that. So don't be so quick to be like, oh, we're not in the same point in life anymore. I guess we're not friends. Like, no, like you can still, you can still have that. But if you're feeling like you do still need those friends that you can relate to, you got to find, you're going to find like-minded people in like-minded places, if that makes sense. So for me, I've met friends through social media because I'm on social media and I like social media. It's like a commonplace, common interest type of thing. So whatever your interests are, um, I would say try to position yourself in places where other people with those same interests will be, if that makes sense. For example, if you love to make art and you're very artsy, you could go to a pottery class and you might meet someone else there who's also very artsy and you'll have that in common type of thing. Um, as far as meeting other mom friends, I feel like that can be really hard because I got lucky in the way that I met my mom friends it was more so like I met them for other reasons and they just so happened to also have kids so it worked out but as far as like seeking out other women who are also moms I know there's literally like apps for that I actually went to like a brand event for this app called peanut which is essentially like a dating app for moms to become friends with other moms and do things with the kids. So, I mean, you could try stuff like that. Like there's an app for everything as far as like trying to meet people and meet like-minded people. Um, but yeah, I, I understand it's really hard, especially when you're introverted because it's hard to just like go out and talk to people. Like I struggle with that too, but that's why I mostly meet people through the internet if I'm being honest. And it works. Like you can find somebody on Instagram and be like, she looks cool. I see she has a kid. I see she's in my area. Message her. You never know. All right, y'all. This one is juicy. This one is actually very juicy. My very close friend happens to be my brother's baby mama. I met her through him and we instantly clicked. We go on girls trips together and everything. They've been on and off for four years. He's cheated several times and she's forgiven him. They are currently back together. But I recently found out 
that he has another baby on the way by a girl that he's previously cheated with. Should I tell her, considering that I call her a close friend? In the past, I've told her stuff, and she's gone back and told him that I told her, which I didn't appreciate. Am I being a disloyal sister if I tell her? Am I being a bad friend if I don't? Side note, after their last makeup breakup, I told her to leave me out of their drama. So it's really none of my business. Well, it is your business because that's your brother and that's your close friend. And I understand you don't know where the loyalty lies. And a lot of people are going to instantly say, you should be loyal to your brother because blood comes first. Like that's your brother, that's your family. So you should be loyal to him. So you should keep his secret. And that's where your loyalty should lie versus with your friend, with the baby mama. But I don't know. Women support women, okay? Women empowerment, okay? Even if it is your own brother, I just feel like woman to woman, coming to you as a woman, you are kind of being a bad friend if you if you are holding on to this pivotal information. This is not just no petty drama. This is not just, oh, who cares? She doesn't even need to know. Like, it won't make a difference. Like, it's just drama. No, this is your man having a baby with this girl that he cheated on you with. You're going to take that to the grave? You're not going to let her know? You're not going to give her a heads up? If it were you, if you were in her shoes, wouldn't you want her to tell you? But here's the way that I would go about it. I would first, now it depends on where you got this information from because you didn't include that in the story. How do you know about this? Because you also don't want to throw that person under the bus, whoever told you this information, unless you got it straight from your brother. So it kind of depends. I don't really have enough full details to fully give you a full play-by-play on how you should do this. But what I was going to say is what I would start by doing is go to your brother first and tell your brother, hey, I know you're having a baby with so-and-so. I know about this. As your baby mama's friend, I cannot keep this secret from her. I would not be being a good friend to her if I kept this secret from her. She needs to know about this. So you need to go and tell her or else I'm going to go tell her. Do you want to tell her? Do you want me to tell her? I would give your brother that opportunity so that you're not going behind his back, but you're letting him know, hey, I have this information. I'm not going to sit on this information. So what are we going to do about this? You tell her or I'll tell her. How do you want this to go? See what he does, see what he says, and then go from there. And if he's like, no, I'm not going to tell her, or he, he swears he's going to tell her, but he doesn't end up telling her in time is passing, I would tell her. I would honestly tell her. Because that's major. And that's something that like I would want a heads up about, and I would want my friend to give me that heads up. Or maybe there's a way that you can like anonymously pass the information along so that it's not known that it's coming from you. Can you send her an anonymous message from a burner account? (laughs) I just feel like the girl should know. She should know about what's going on here. If she's because she's currently with your brother, it's not like they're broken up right now and that's just her baby daddy. They're together. That's her baby daddy and they're currently together. And he got another baby on the way. And she has no idea, but you know. Yeah, that's not good. If you really consider her to be a close, close friend, I would, yeah, I would start by going to your brother first and being like, hey, what the hell? What's going on here? I'm not finna hold this secret for you. That's what I would do. But what do I know? (laughs) That's a really, really, really sticky, messy situation. And it could go left in a lot of different ways. That's why I said I need more details. Like, where did you get the information from? How is that person going to feel that you're spreading the information? Like, who told you? Like, it's a lot. Mm, That's tough. I'm sorry. That's really tough. I'm 26 and single. A lot of my friends are starting to get married and settle down. As a fellow successful single black woman, what would you recommend as far as how not to get discouraged about your love life? You should not be discouraged about your love life because you're 26. Okay. You're not 66. You're 26. You're still in your 20s. So 
everybody relax. We still have time. I understand the feeling of like everyone else around you around that age. It seems like everyone's getting married. Everyone's finding their person, blah, blah, blah. I've experienced the same thing. I have several married friends. One of my closest friends is getting married this year and I'm a big part of, you know, I'm in her wedding and stuff like that. And so, yeah, I see it all around me all the time, but I don't compare myself to them. I am not on their timeline. I am not on their same path, their same journey. I don't even look at relationships the same way that they do. Honestly, I have my own feelings about relationships and marriage and what it means for me and what I'm looking for and when I want it and when and what I do and don't want. Like I'm on my own journey. I'm on my own path. What's for me is for me. What's for them is for them. I am extremely happy for them. Love to see the love in the air. Love that for you. I'm going to celebrate you. I'm going to be a big part of it. I'm going to, you know, soak it all in for them with them. And then I'm going to go home and I'm going to do me. I'm not going to go home and cry about it because what's that got to do with me? Me being upset about it isn't going to help me. Me going home and, and feeling, you know, discouraged isn't going to make my Prince Charming knock on my door. So it's kind of a waste of energy to think about and be upset about. And so I try not to waste that energy. I try to be very intentional about what I'm worrying about in this life. There are things that are worth worrying about because you can control it and you can fix it and you need to be putting your energy towards it. And there are things that are not worth worrying about because you can't do anything about it anyway. So don't waste your energy on it. That's how I look at it. And also it's because I have a certain view of marriage and relationships and everything in the first place where it's like, that does not define me at all. That does not define me or my life or my happiness or my success or anything. That is not my defining factor. I don't care. <laughs> I mean, it sounds crazy, but for the most part, I don't care. To me, that is a cherry on top type of thing. That is the last little sprinkle of garnish that you add on top of the recipe. That is something that you, it's an add-on. You know, it's not the end all be all. It's not, I have nothing if I don't have a husband. I am no one without a husband. I am no one without a man. I am worthless. My life is empty and meaningless and has no value and no purpose because I'm single. No, you yourself by yourself as a single woman are valuable. You know, your life is valuable without all of that. Will it still, can it be amazing to have those things? Can it add value? Can it be, you know, I'm not, people seem to think a lot of times when I talk about these things, people seem to think that like, I don't think relationships are valuable at all. I don't think marriage brings anything positive to the table. That's not true. I see where it does or it can when done properly. It can add value. It can add that extra happiness, that extra, you know, sense of, What's the word? Purpose, I guess. Yes, it can add to it, but you should not feel purposeless without it. You should not feel empty without it. You should not feel like an empty cup waiting to be filled. And the only thing that can fill it is getting married. No, my cup is full. I fill my own cup. If you would like to come over here and help me overflow it, amazing. The more the merrier, but my cup is full. I focus on making sure my cup is full. I worry about what I can worry about because it's what I should be worried about because I can actually control it. And I do me. And I feel like, and this is what everyone says, the more you do you and you focus on you and you focus on bettering yourself and doing what you can by yourself, you're making yourself the best version of yourself to then be ready for the best relationship that you can have. But you got to have self-confidence. You've got to celebrate yourself. You said it in your message. You are a successful black woman, period. Okay, let's think about that. Let's think about that. Let's focus on that. Let's not focus on what everybody else is doing. You know what I mean? Well, that was the last question that I had pulled up. 
I feel like that's enough for one episode. I feel like maybe I've already said too much, gone too far. I'm kind of scared about this advice that I'm putting out in the world. And I'm like, people are going to take my advice into their real lives and they're going to implement it and then things are going to happen. And then I'm going to feel guilty about the way that things play out. Like, I'm just hoping that nobody comes back and messages me like, hey, girl, I took your advice and everything went horrible. (laughs) Like, I'm going to feel so bad. So please, like I said, Take my advice with a grain of salt. I don't know what I'm talking about. I never have. (laughs) Have y'all seen that TikTok where he's like, you know, I don't know what I'm talking about. And I never have. (laughs) That's how I feel right now. But hopefully this was helpful in some sort of way. I mean, I enjoyed feeling like maybe I'm possibly helping y'all out there. Um, Y'all let me know in the comments if you agree with my advice or if you have any further advice for any of these situations. I'm sure these people are going to be reading these comments. So if you have anything else to add, that might be really helpful for these people. Um, And let me know if I should continue doing this or if I should shut the heck up. You can be honest. (laughs) I'll talk to you guys later. Bye.